Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. Amen. We have been in this series on being transformed and then what can come through the power of living a transformed life through the power of the gospel and not looking at what culture says, but looking at what the gospel says and looking at what the God and the scriptures say about the power of Jesus and what he has for the power of all of us. So vital in today's world for church. I'm just so vital in today's world. So crucial in today's world, like communities and cities like Newcastle need churches like ours, need churches like ours who are fixated on Jesus, living on purpose and on mission through the power of Jesus, churches that live into the truth of Jesus Christ for the sake of piercing the darkness, for the sake of piercing the darkness in our world, and churches that shine brighter through the darkness and chaos and then exalt Jesus as king. And we've been with churches like that. That is exactly the kind of church that God is calling us toward and calling his church toward for cities like ours. And we have been in sort of several different places together over the last several weeks. And we've been in Daniel. We have been in Ezekiel. We've been kind of all over the place. And so today we are in Exodus. But at the very before we get to that, the gospel changes us. The gospel changes us, Jesus Christ changes us, and at the very core of what it means to trust and to follow Jesus is the fact that transformation is possible. And if you're like today, man, pastor, it just is what it is in my life. It is what it is in my life. I would just say, allow the Holy Spirit to change that. Allow the Holy Spirit to change that is what it is in your life. Maybe you're like, but God is so much bigger than that. God is so much more powerful than that, and we're going to see that today um, in this passage as well. So if 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone's in Christ, if anybody's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Every single person that trusts in Jesus at the moment they accept and follow Jesus and trust him for salvation, given a brand new birth, that is you. Yet we know we are all works in progress, and if we trust and follow Jesus, we know we are not perfect. Nobody is perfect. Nobody will ever be perfect until we get on to heaven, but we will always trust and we will always follow Jesus for every and trust him with every single step in the right direction. Um, anyone, I'm really, um, I really like Peter in the Bible. Peter was a disciple of Jesus and he stumbled and he turned his back on Christ and he denied Jesus. He was up and down at every single turn and yet he was called by God to be a front runner in the early church. He was called by God to be a front runner and he was, he was, he was a guy who I am so thankful for in the scriptures because he was up and down all around and everywhere as well. So whenever faith season or life journey or circumstance you're in right now, always be willing to move one step closer to trusting Jesus. Always move one step closer. And that transformation process will take care of itself. If you are moving closer, just inch by inch, closer to Jesus, then that transformation will occur. And this will come full circle today because maybe you're like, you're discouraged because maybe you're saying, you know, you're kind of like, you're discouraged and you're comparing, comparing yourself or your spiritual walk. Maybe you're comparing it to someone else's journey. 
Maybe you're sort of comparing it like, man, I cannot, why? Or maybe you're asking yourself, why am I in this season of my life? And why is that person in that season of, my, in that season of life? And why can't I be there? Why can't, God, why can't I just trade places? And maybe you've got more tears and one much more unanswered questions. Maybe you've got sleepless nights, late night walks, and noise you can't recover from, and frustrating moments, and family tension. Can I just say God knows it? Can I just say God knows it, God sees it, and God's with you? God walks with you, and sometimes following Jesus can feel messy and can feel like you're not progressing or walking closer with him. If you trust Jesus in every step, if the step doesn't even make sense or feels chaotic, he is there with you. He is there with you. And I'm reminded and challenged by 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray what? Continually give thanks in what? All circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I'm, you, are you sort of scratching your head like, always? Really? Like when I read that verse, I kind of want to put a qualifier in that. Rejoice always. Can I put an underline? God? But God, you don't know my circumstance. Pray continually. God, I don't sense your nearness near me. I've been gone for too far long. I think God probably lost my phone number. God can't pick up the phone on me. I haven't phoned home to him in forever. Giving thanks in the circumstances I'm in, this is not the life that I dreamed about for myself. I'm in a place that I didn't think I would be or in a situation I would rather not be in. And yet God knows it all. Yet, I'm reminded that God calls us to, God's will for us is to give thanks, pray continually, and rejoice always. God is in the midst of a fallen and broken world, and yet he still calls us and cherishes us and guides us in the midst of it all. And God knows exactly the situation you're in right now and understands it. And he is molding you and shaping you in the midst of it all. So today's message of transformation has to do in the Old Testament. The man named Moses who experienced highs and lows, everything in between, every between in life, and experienced a dramatic shift and calling in his life and his later in years in life. Um, and his name is Moses. But last week we looked at a guy named Ezekiel. And Ezekiel came from the Old Testament and he was a prophet to the Israelite people. And Ezekiel is often God's mouthpiece to the Israelites. They were and God's people at that point were in a foreign land in Babylon, and God calls a man named Ezekiel to speak to the people on behalf of God, and that the people of God were disobedient toward God, and then they allowed the sin and the influence of all their nations to come and sort of infiltrate what God had designed for them, and God has very specific plan for them and their life, and the Israelites are people who wanted or were a part of God's covenant people, and they disobeyed God. And the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 36 and 37 um, says that they need a complete heart transplant. Like true spiritual formation, it comes in this transformation, involves a transformed heart. And so this passage today lands us in Exodus chapter 3. It's a period of time in God's people where God's people were far from home at that period of time in a land not their own in Egypt, and they were struggling with faith, and they had been enslaved in Egypt. And what we know even from Ezekiel's day is that Ezekiel tells us that God does not leave us in the condition that he always he finds us in. 
that God always transforms our heart, that God always is a God who moves and shapes us and transforms us, and that at the very core of all of our hearts, church, the very core of who we are, all the actions that we do, all the things that we think about, it comes from our heart. And I pray that God has your heart today. I pray that God has your heart today. And if he does not have your heart, I pray that today you wouldn't leave here without the assurance of God with you in your life. And you see, every person, we said this last week, every single person, every person, every person, every single person, every single person has potential to live victoriously in the power of the Spirit. Everybody has, has this potential to live victoriously in the power of his, his, his uh, Spirit. And Ezekiel says, in Ezekiel 36 and 37, where he sees this valley of dry bones, he says, where God sees hopelessness and deadness, God sees life. In this valley of dry bones, where we may see deadness and dryness and hopelessness, God sees life. God breathes life into dead things. We live on the other side of the resurrection long after Ezekiel's time, and Jesus calls us to live into the kingdom of God and to live as if God's rule and reign was on the earth even now, and it moves among us. And God's people are people who live from death to life. And if God is at work, God's at work in the midst of bringing this place back into newness of life and bringing our stories and bringing lives and bringing others back in the newness of life. So we've zeroed in on these verses the last several weeks, and I pray that this would be a, a few verses that have really stuck with you, and maybe you've memorized this. And Romans 12, 1 through 2 said this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect what? Will. What would it look like to be transformed by the renewing of our mind? For everybody to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because our minds often play games on us. Our minds sometimes can be fixated on things that aren't necessarily joy-filled or life-giving. But what would it look like, church, to have joy-filled and spirit-filled missionaries in this room renewed by the power of the Spirit through the transformation of our mind? What would that look like? Notice Paul's words here. It's like transforming of our mind because we know that oftentimes our mind is the filter by which we, you know, we have various opinions and, and we tend to get swayed by others of the world and can swing us in one way or direction or the other. But yet, be transformed by the renewing of your mind is what Paul says here. And we have somebody, an enemy, who wants nothing to do with Christianity, wants nothing to do with God living in you and us, and so he can surely attack ourselves and then attack our identities and who we are. So Exodus chapter 3, page 41 of the Bible in front of you, if you'd like to go there, Exodus chapter 3. This is a very significant kind of moment in time in the Bible, in the book of Exodus. And Egyptian, uh, the, the Israelites at this point, I've been in Egyptian captivity, and God calls a man named Moses to be the one to help guide the people out of Egypt. God called Moses, and Moses was very imperfect. Moses had a checkered past, and yet God was very present in his life, and yet God still called him. So don't ever think you are disqualified from being used by God. Don't ever think you're disqualified for being used by God. And if you left, if you remembered that one thing today, I, that's great. If you don't, if you don't, if you tune me out the rest of the time, that's okay. If you get that one thing that God calls people who feel as though maybe they are disqualified, and that's good news. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Okay, we're awake. We're good. Okay, so we'll discover that all of this, and I pray that you would experience this. Like, I pray that you would experience that this, we walk through this today, that this is this discovery, this passage, that this is for all of us today. So we at this church value the preaching and teaching of the scriptures, and I pray that if Washington Union is not your church home, that you would find one that does the same, preaches and teaches the scriptures faithfully. It's on page 41 and on the screen behind me. We're going to read just verse 1. This is Moses. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So let's stop at verse 1 for a second. Moses tending the flock, his father-in-law, uh, he led his flock to the far side of the wilderness. He came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So those, so God calls people very ordinary moments of life. He's a shepherd. God calls Moses while tending flocks. That's exactly where God called him. Now you may think in terms of calling like you may never be Moses. You may never be called to be Moses or to be that, but I just don't want to dismiss the fact that God often calls us in what we're doing, in exactly what we're doing, in very ordinary circumstances, God calls Moses. Moses was tending sheep in the middle of just doing his work, in the middle of being faithful to God. God showed up. Don't dismiss God in ordinary events. Can I say it again, church? Don't dismiss God in ordinary events. And I think we can get caught up in often looking for God in maybe big places. But look for, the, for, for those God moments in the midst of very ordinary faithfulness to God. Be faithful to God where you're planted. And then God can show up in the very ordinary places in which he calls us to. Uh, verses 2 and 3. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Very kind of a burning bush, but yet let's not, just not kind of like, it's, it's a bush. It's a, it is a very ordinary thing, very ordinary part of life. And we're told this, that God, don't dismiss those God sightings in the ordinary parts of life. Like sometimes I think we sort of get discouraged because we aren't maybe necessarily seeing God, but maybe we're not looking in the right places. Like sometimes I think we oftentimes we're not seeing God, we're looking in the wrong places or we don't have eyes to see him in the midst of the ordinary places. And we're told that he came to Horeb, we're told that very ordinary mountain and God does this, Moses is doing his very ordinary rounds of shepherding at this point. And God saw Notice, you see, God saw and then God called. God often gets our attention first. And it's often in these moments where God calls us. And I don't want to also dismiss the interruptions that God gives us as well. Like, this is interruptions that God sometimes can put in our way to, like, kind of get our attention, so to speak. And I just don't want us to miss those interruptions that God may be doing something in order to get your attention in your mind. So hopefully we don't dismiss any of that as well. So in verse 4, it says this, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is what? Holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed, what? Seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have, what? 
heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am what? Concerned about their suffering. I just underlined those words in my Bible. I've seen, I've heard, I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to what? Rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am what? Sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, Israelites, out of Egypt. And we'll stop there for a second. And I, when I think of this burning, burning bush passage, I think that I also believe that we serve a holy God. This burning bush narrative reminds us of the power and the holiness of God. That the holiness of God ought not to scare us, or think that God is unknowable. But holiness is a term that describes God's character. God is so much bigger and so much greater and so much more magnificent and awesome that we could ever ask or imagine. Yet at the same time, even from this account, God so deeply cares about your heart. God is so much bigger. I mean, even our smallest thoughts about God, God just blows them out of the water because God is so much bigger than we could ever comprehend and fully understand Him. And yet God, even so this, God went so far to send His Son Jesus into the world so that we could experience, that He could experience life like us. And so that He could experience all that it meant to send His Son Jesus to give us life and life to the fullest and forgive us of sin. God is so much bigger than we could ever ask or imagine. And sometimes we want to place God into a box, and yet God is just bigger than all of that. So much bigger than we could ever ask or imagine. So maybe it's a circumstance in your life right now. Maybe it's a time where you have got more questions than answers in your life. Zero in on who God is and who He is in the Scriptures. Who God has taught us to be throughout the story of God and the attributes of God and the character of God. And sometimes we can get so defeated on life and the only thing that we can hang on to is who God is and who God is and who God has revealed himself to be. Not just something to read over, but something to consider, but actually to allow this to actually speak over your life. So God is love. He is just. God is holy. God is creator. God is faithful. God is sovereign. God is merciful. God is abounding in goodness and truth. God is righteous. God is forgiving. God is gracious. God is kind. God is powerful. God is almighty. God is perfect. God is infinite. God is omnipotent. He is omniscient. God is omnipresent. God is all-knowing, and God is good. That is all about God and who God is, and He is a present God just as much as He is in Exodus chapter 3 as He is today. God's heart still beats in the same exact way today. God breaks through in Exodus 3, and God still speaks today, and he's just as much present as he was in that burning bush as he is here today, even in our, in our midst as well. I often think about this passage, and I look at where Moses took off his sandals. If you notice that part? Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Um, I also think of that song. Anyone think of that song where we are standing in his presence on holy ground? I thought about that song I used to sing. Uh, and... Uh, I just, I just wonder this, church, like, I just wonder, are there just moments of surrender in God's presence that the only thing we can do is to just give God ourselves? Now, what do I mean by this? I mean, he takes off his sandals and he gets on holy ground. 
in a culture where this, this culture in this time, taking off your shoes and sandals was kind of a respect, sign of respect for going into a person's home. But there are other times of prayer where the only thing we have to do, the only thing we can do in times of prayer is literally surrender ourselves. Maybe it's through tears. Maybe it's moments of really just surrendering ourselves to God and his purpose. Are there times in our lives in which we just have to surrender? Maybe we can't see the future fully ahead of us. But when we recall how powerful and we recall God's faithfulness, we recall how holy and powerful God is, we can't help but fully surrender to God in his presence. This is a powerful God that led the, Israelite, led the Israelites out of Egypt. And the God who constructed the universe with his fingers, who knew you in your mother's womb, who causes the hummingbirds to sing, who created the rivers and formed the valleys of western Pennsylvania, who knew your name before the foundation of the world existed. And we owe it to God's glory to just give him the praise for that today. Amen? That God knew you before the foundation of the world. And he created this, this world for you and I. Proverbs 9.10 reminds us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom and the knowledge of Holy One is what? Understanding. He is the rock. His works are what? Perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. And when we talk about fearing God, we are talking about giving God the proper worship and respect and the holy nature that God is. And we're thinking... Thinking about God should cause kind of a healthy fear in us. But we ought not to fear God like I have a terrible fear of spiders. It's true. Um, it just, for whatever reason, it's a terrible fear of spiders. Um, anyone else in that place? Okay, a few. Okay, terrible fear of spiders. There's three of us. We can have a prayer meeting after service and pray about it. Okay? Um, and then, may, you know, we'll see. We'll... we'll Maybe we'll step on them. Um, so uh, we'll get together and <laughs> talk about it. Um, uh, <laughs> um, and now I'm like, everyone now is here thinking of their fears, right? Like, what are you afraid of? Like snakes, um, tomatoes, or um, <laughs> whatever reason. Anyway, um, or snakes or anything like that. But anyway, we ought not to fear God like those, but we ought to fear, have a healthy reverence for God. Um, for whatever reason. You know, having a healthy fear of God is transformative. If we are to believe in God, um, if we're to believe in God, to have a healthy reverence for God. Uh, A.W. Tozer wrote a lot. He was an Alliance pastor, Christian Missionary Alliance in Toledo. And he said this, that what comes to our minds when we think of, of, about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So having just a healthy fear of God, but also looking at who God has revealed himself to be in the scriptures, to have a right view of God and who God has declared himself to be in the scriptures. So what comes to mind when we think about God? Verse 11 through 15, verse 11 says this, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with who? You. And this will be the sign that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses says to God, it's interesting what Moses says. Suppose I get as the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And then they ask me, what is his name? 
Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And the name they shall call me from generation to generation. God's reply to Moses' hesitation is going to be all across the scriptures, all across the scriptures. And maybe it's, it's, it's exactly, I know for me, it was what I needed to hear. Maybe for you, it's what you need to hear. I will be with you in verse 12. It matters not who Moses is. It matters on who is going with him in the midst of it. God could not be delivering the Israelites alone, and neither could Moses. And this is going to be a joint mission that, that Moses has with God. And we have seen, and this promise of God seals it as such. Church presence and proximity matter. And as the psalmist says in Psalm 23, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There are unexplainable moments in time, church. I don't know if you've ever been in those valleys, those valleys of life, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There are moments in time, church, that when God's presence is only fully known and fully grasped is when we are in life's valleys. That there are times in life and the presence of God that the only time that we can experience that, that, that shepherding presence that God gives is only in life's deepest and darkest valleys. And I've come to know God's presence more often than not in the valleys of life and not on the mountaintops of life. I don't know if anyone else has been in that place as well. And yet it's God, and we know this, it's God in this story in the midst of a burning bush says to Moses, who felt very disqualified to lead this group, who felt extremely insecure, who felt very unsure of himself, had a moment in time in which God showed up in a powerful way, and I believe he's saying us to here today, don't quit. God is faithful to you. He won't quit on you. He's not done with you yet. Can I say it again, church? Don't quit. He won't quit on you. God is faithful to you, and he is not done with you yet. Amen? We read in Exodus that Moses continued to doubt God. He continued to doubt God in this task. He, he didn't think he was qualified. He had a hard time talking and that God called him to do that. And he didn't think he had the right speech. He thought it limited him and God called him anyway. Don't let the fear of failure keep you from trusting God and trusting him with every single step. And God's presence was enough for Moses and it'll be enough for us. And some of the things that I wrote down, I just kind of wrote some things down that, that I really took away from this burning bush. When Mo, God calls Moses from this bush, is that some things I really took away was the first one was this, that God simply is God and we are not God. We are bound by a creator who knows us and deeply loves us, but we are not God and our existence is dependent all upon God and yet we are not God. And sometimes we think, and even we try to take control, and we try to think we are God, but we are not God. And secondly, the, that God's presence profoundly changes us. That God's presence profoundly changes us. When we encounter God, we change. And it can be about God's heart, it's, and, and sometimes we can think like it can be about um, it can be about me, or it can be about all about us, or about our wants, and yet. Hebrews 12 reminds us to let us be filled with gratitude and worship and worship God with reverence and awe. 
to be filled with God with gratitude and reverence and awe. For our God is an all-consuming fire. I love that verse. That God's presence can profoundly change us. And this is about God. This is about God calling Moses. And Moses thought he was extremely unqualified for this job. And yet this is all about God and God doing this through his heart and life. Thirdly, I just think about this. It was kind of a phrase that struck me here was to let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. God, I pray that my heart would be broken by the things that break your heart, God. And that was the prayer of Bob Pierce, who was the founder of World Vision. And he saw the witness of the firsthand of poverty and children, and he led him to find a global ministry of compassion and assistance. Um, but, it's, but it goes beyond this, right? Like, like God saw the groaning, God heard, and God heard. God, would you move my heart to move the heart that breaks yours? God, would you help me to see other people that don't know you? Would you help me to break, have the heart, my heart break for those people that do not know you, that do not have a relationship with you? That when we see brokenness, when we see pain, when we see struggle, when we see people living in uh, the power of sin, that our hearts would break. For them. And when I think about that, I think when I look at this passage, I think about that. And yet Moses at this point in time, he hasn't seen all of the struggle of the Israelites. He's only seen a very, very small fraction of this. But there's, and it's, sometimes it can feel overwhelming, but who is it that God places in our circles and places in our paths? Like even for Moses at this point in time, you know, he doesn't know all of the, all of the Israelites that have been in captivity and he doesn't know all of what they've gone through. But who are the folks in our circles whom are walking through darkness? And God, would you have my heartbreak for those people that I know that are not walking with you. And that's exactly what this prayer means. And that's exactly kind of what this means as well. And he encounters God who goes on this seeing and God hears it and God sees it and God knows that. And would, we, would I be joined, God, with you and your mission to, to find lost people and to see new people come to faith in Jesus? And it's here where Moses is in the bush and God who is there with Israel even, even through the slavery in Egypt, all the backbreaking brick slavery in Egypt. Lastly, God, God uses imperfect people. God uses imperfect people. But what would it, how might it look like to turn toward God's presence like Moses did? To have our hearts burn with passion, to be transformed by God and who God is. Lord, may our hearts burn for you and be transformed by the presence that goes with all of us. And so how might God be working in your life and my life? How, how might the fire be burned? That fire be burned today in our heart. And God got Moses' attention. After 40 years in the desert, this is a guy, Moses, he is, we are told he is later in life. And maybe you're at that point, you're like, I've seen it all, I've done it all, I've heard it all. I'm at this point in my life where I'm just kind of like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of stuck. I'm just, I've seen it all, I've heard it all. Nothing new is under the sun. <laughs> Yet God called him. God called him from a burning bush later in his years. God may catch you by surprise. God may catch you by surprise. He may catch all of us by surprise for the way he calls us to his presence and to himself. So don't ever dismiss that you can be used by God because you can. So will you let the fire burn? And Moses, Moses simply says, God, here I am. Notice that prayer, here I am, Lord. 
He, God, he recognizes the awesome power of God. And sometimes we want to take God, and let's just be real, church. Sometimes we just want to take God at very small doses. Like, God, I want your power when it's convenient for me. God, I want your power when I feel like it. God, I want your presence only when it's my time on my schedule. And God, I'm just reminded of this passage that God, that God is not limited by that. God is an all-consuming fire. Moses was captivated by the presence of God. God, would you captivate us with your burning presence? God, would our fire burn and would it start within the church? Would it start within his church? Can we pray and be attuned to the presence of God's just awesome presence today? Can we like just be attuned to the awesomeness of God, the presence of God, the fire of God, the God of the miracle-working God today? And in Luke 24, in, uh, when Jesus, after uh, Jesus has died and resurrected, there's this, there's this story of this account of a couple people walking on the road in Luke 24, and it's called Emmaus Road. And there's, um, there's a couple people that were talking about the scriptures. And it says, were not our hearts burning within as he talked with us? God, would our hearts burn for you? God, would our hearts burn through this church? And God, would all others see the passion that you've given every single one of us here today? Amen? Amen. But be transformed by the renewing of your what? mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. Worship team, will you come up? We'll sing one last song together. And I'm going to pray for us. If you'll stand. Kind Father, May we be consumed by your holy presence. May we be consumed by your spirit. May we be consumed by the hearts that burned along the Emmaus Road. We're not our hearts burning for you within us. Your spirit lives on. Your spirit moves in us and your spirit walks with us. But it also empowers us. We worship you as an all-consuming fire. Would your presence be powerful? Would it be made known to us? Will we see you in those sightings? Will we not miss the ordinary God moments in our life? And will we be encouraged by them? But may we not miss the power that you are trying to get our attention. And maybe today you've gotten somebody's attention or several people's attention. We don't want to dismiss those moments. We don't want to miss the God moments that God may be trying to get our attention here today. And God calls us and calls each and every one of us to relationship. May we not dismiss that and not dismiss the fire that may be starting in somebody's heart. Spirit, move us and shape us and mold us. And your strong and powerful and mighty name, God's people said together, amen.